This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. So before we before we get into the before we get into the parsha um, this morning, usually usually something happens the day I speak. So, Kishbaku gives me something to speak about. So I have a I have a Talmud that I'm very very close to. He's a very big tzaddik. This boy, he's married, so it's no no shidduchim here. But he's a very very big tzaddik. He does a lot of good. Hi, Ruth. Good evening. We're glad you're feeling better, Hashem. Okay, if you're here, you're feeling better. Um, anyway, so so he he's going through a very hard time, and. No matter what he's, he's doing, everything right. I know what he's doing. He does a lot of mitzvahs and he helps a lot of people. And what, it's just not working. It's just his business is not working. And and everywhere everywhere he turns, everything like he gets into deals and then the deals fall apart. And it's just it's been going on for a very long time. And we we try to figure it out and to do this and that mitzvah and this mitzvah and that mitzvah. And he teaches and maybe he should teach more. And we try every, all the tricks, everything. And, not changing. It's just not working. He's allowed, tries to get a lot of tzedakah, but he doesn't have the money now to get tzedakah. Knows what to do when he makes money. So he, he, he said, Rebbe, you got to come. You, you, you got to, you, we got to talk. We got to talk. You, you, you got to give me chizik. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. Okay? It's my Talmud. We're very close, like my son. I said, okay. You want chizik? We'll give you some chizik. And it's really chizik for everyone because all of us go through this. Um, we struggle sometimes really bad, and we don't understand. Like, we're doing the right thing. I mean, again, we don't judge Hashem. And, we, and, and What do you mean you're doing the right thing? Like, you're such a big tzaddik, right? But we're not, we're not so bad, and just stuff's not happening. And everything we touch is turning into dust. So it's hard to understand. And, and we're human beings. And, you know, we, we have this thing in our head that if we do the right thing, then God's going to do the right thing by us, whatever that means. So, I told him the following, I think it's very important, that a girl, I said it over today in, in, in seminary, and a girl asked me a bomb question on it, and um, I'll tell you what we answered her. She asked a really good question. You're all invited to come to that terrace now, or to Benobina any time you want to come here some good cheer. Jackie Bitton teaches in, in a terrace now in Benobina, and so does Robert Walskin, and so does... Rabbi Ruben Abramov and uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Lamb and just a lot of Rabbi, um, um, what's his name? No, um, Rabbi Ginsburg, who's very big in um, in uh, in Chinuch, and just we have a lot of good teachers. So anytime you want to come for a class, just come in for one class and you know just hear what's going on. You're invited. It's in the next. It's next door in the next building. Whoever's watching, you want to come for a shear one day. To find out, call up, what schedule, who speaks when, when's Jackie, when's this, when that, and you, you're invited, it's free. Come for one share, one day, you want to come sit and learn, you don't have to pay for it, no problem. You want to stay, talk about it. Okay. Anyway, Baruch Hashem, had amazing classes today. The girls are really, they're really smart and they, they ask good questions. So, this is what I told them. Akedas Yitzchak. Akedas Yitzchak was Avram Avinu's Biggest test. I mean, he's waiting for this son that Hashem told him by the Brisbane of Sarim, you're going to have a son, and your nation, your nation's going to come from that. And he wasn't—he knew it wasn't Yishmael, right? And he's 99 years old, and he finally has a son. Now, his whole life, 
he's anti-Avodah Right? He is called an Ivri. He is called the Ivri. Ivri means on the other side. Because the rest of the world believed in the sun is a god, the moon is a god, water is a god, lightning is a god. And, 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 and his father, Terach, had a, had a store that sold all these gods. He had Hercules for strength and Venus for beauty. And whatever you wanted, you could buy an idol. And that idol would help you with whatever you wanted. The one that brought God into the world, that there's only one God, that's the God of the sun and the moon and everything else, was Avraham Avinu. He was the Ivri. He was the only one. You stand, you would stand and preach on corners and say, this is ridiculous, bowing down to idols. It's ridiculous. They're stones. I broke them. They, they have no strength. Hercules, right? I went and broke the idol Hercules and he couldn't do anything. So he's not strong. I'm stronger than... And he preached God. One God. What did these people do to the... How did they serve their gods? They brought human sacrifices. They took their children. There was, there was an Abayi called Melech. They took their children and they, and they sacrificed them. To their gods. They killed them and, and brought them up as, as kurbanos, as sacrifices. And Abraham Avinu was the biggest guy against it. And now Hashem says, sacrifice your son. One second, everything I stand for, my whole life was, you don't sacrifice humans. Now God's telling me I should go sacrifice my son. He was totally against everything he stood for. So this is a big test. Hashem's telling you to do something that's opposite of everything that you were preaching. It's a big test. And, uh, this is the boy. This is my son. This is, this is the one that's going to be Klai Yisrael. Now I'm going to shecht him, right? Now it happens to be that God never said to kill his son. If you look at, if you look at the parasha, right? By Yomer, Kachno. As bincha, as yechidcha, asher ahafta, as yitzchak. This is what this is what Hashem commanded him: take your 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 only son that you love, yitzchak. The lechlech alerta Maria, go to the land of Maria, Har Maria. Aleu shamlo ayla, and bring him up for an ayla. Al acher hamashem ayalecha. He doesn't say kill him. Okay, he says bring him up for an offering. Maybe that meant that he just had to tie him up and put him on his bayah. He never said to kill him. But anyway, this is a this is a huge test. Of Avram's love. Why did Hashem, why did this whole thing come up? Does anyone here know the Rashi? The very famous Rashi here. The Pasik starts off in the beginning of Akedah Yitzchak. And, and it happened after these things. And Hashem tested Avram. What were these things? What happened right before Hashem told him to, to bring him up as a carbon? So Rashi says, Yeshmer Rabbosenu, Oymim, some of our rabbis say, After the Satan said something, Hashem asked Abraham Avinu to bring him up as a carbon. Because he was making trouble. Well, Abraham just made a Suda for Yitzchak's, he was weaned off his mother, and, and it says that a child should start learning Torah when they eat bread. Okay? Not when they're nursing. When they're nursing, they don't have the seichel to, 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 to learn. But once they, they, they stop nursing from their mother and they eat salads, that's when you can teach them Torah. So it was a big day for Avraham Avinu because he was weaned off his mother and now he was able to learn Torah. So Avraham Avinu threw a big party. But he didn't bring a carbon to Hashem by this party. So the Satan said, we call a suda, Avraham, from the whole party that Avraham did, 
the, the Sultan said, he, Avram Avinu made a big party for all his friends, but he didn't do anything for you, Hashem. Amalai, Hashem said to him, Ha! You think the party he made for his son, that he, that, he, that he doesn't love me and he didn't care about me? If I asked him to bring up his son as a carbon, he would bring him up as a carbon. That's how much he loves me. So to say, yeah, ask him. That's why, that's why Avram Avinu had to bring a carbon. Because the Sultan was Mekatri. Most of the stuff we go through, the Sultan is Mekatri. So you're doing really great, and life is really great, and you don't have any mincha, and you don't have any shachris, and you tzniyas, and the Sultan comes to Hashem and says, sure, shake her up a little bit. Don't give her such a great life. Watch what happens. It's a test. So many times, we're doing good, and because we're doing good, we're being tested. That's part of part of the growth. I'll tell you a Gemara. The Gemara says like this. When Mashiach comes, the Goyim come to Hashem and say, we also want to be Mashiach. We also want to be in the Oyam Haba. Hashem says, but um, you didn't do any mitzvahs. You, didn't, you only did Sheva mitzvahs. You didn't do any mitzvahs. They said, well, you didn't ask us to do any other mitzvahs. We would do any mitzvah that you want. It's Gemara. Hashem said, really? You do any mitzvah that I want? Okay, I want you to do the mitzvah of sukkah. Of all the mitzvahs that we have, if I was testing the guy, I would say, how about thirty-six? How about a 26-hour Yom Kippur fast? No shoes, no food, no drinking. Well, if I want to test them, you know, how about Shabbos, 26 hours, no phones, no television, no lights, no cars, no movies, right? Sukkah? That's how you're testing them? That's what Gemara says. Okay. So, they all went and built sukkahs. Hashem, no problem. That's what you want. To, you want to see if we can be like Jews? We can be like Jews. They all went and they built sukkahs. They went into the sukkah, and Hashem took out like the sun that was by Avram Avinu, and He made it 120 degrees, so hot. And they sat in the sukkah, and it's boiling, right? And they're like, their houses were much cooler, so they said, "We're not dealing with this." And they walked out of the ha- out of the sukkah. They gave it a kick. And they said, we don't need this. This is ridiculous. It's 110 degrees. And they walked out. Shem said, ah, that's the difference between you and the Jews. The Gemara says, one second. One second, we have a big question on this. Now, lucky is, if you're not comfortable in your sukkah, you're not supposed to be there. So if you have flies in the sukkah, you're supposed to go into the house. If it gets too hot in the sukkah, that your mom is sweating, you're not supposed to be If it's raining, you're, not to, you're supposed to be comfortable in your sukkah. You're not comfortable in the sukkah, you're not allowed to eat in the sukkah. So what did the guy do wrong? It was hot. They were uncomfortable. The Jews would have also left the sukkah in that heat. What did they do wrong? They kicked the sukkah. They kicked the sukkah. The Jew would have left the sukkah and said, Oy vey, it's so hot I came through the mitzvah. Oy, it hurts me that I have to go into the house. Now, let's talk truth, right? Ladies, sometimes when it's raining on sukkah, and the sukkah, and they're like, okay, we can't eat in the sukkah, we have to eat inside. Yeah, you're not really crying. It's like, oh, good, it's okay. Well, more men than ladies, you know, the mitzvah was like, it's much easier to eat in the house. Okay, ma, I don't have to, I don't have to set the table in the sukkah. No, it's raining. But it's supposed to bother you. A man, it's supposed to, I, I, I can't do the mitzvah. So the, the avera that they did was that they kicked the sukkah. When we go through a test, it's not uncomfortable. The question is, What's the reaction to the test? You're sick, so you can't daven. So it's like, okay, I'm sick, I can't daven. Oy vey. I'm sick and I can't daven. It really bothers me. It's, it's how you react. So over here, 
the greatness of Avraham, and I'm going to show it to you inside why I'm going over to the subject. This is what happened this morning. This was my, my discussion that I had with my, with my Talmud. So, so, Abraham, so Hashem was testing him, right? So we're going through, you're going through this test, whatever your test is. And in the end, in the end, so he's supposed to, he's, he's thinking he's going to get up there, he took the knife, he's going to chop his head off, right? He's going to do shechita. And by Yikreel of Malach Hashem, Malach Hashem, by Yaimer, Al Tishlach Yochel Hana. Don't you touch him. Don't even touch him. Al Taslam Uma. And don't make even the smallest scratch on Yitzchak. Why? Kiata Yadati, Kireela Kimata. Because I don't, I don't, I don't need you to kill him, and I don't need you to hurt him. I now know what you are willing to do, and therefore, what's the use in killing him? There's no gain. The test is, would you kill him? So I don't need you to kill him. You were going to kill him. So stop. And now, don't you touch him. Once you pass the test, the whole thing that you went through is gone. So that didn't go over so easy in class today. So some girl said, sorry, Rabbi Wallstein, but what I went through is not gone. And it will never be gone. The trauma that I went through will never be gone. And, here was the bomb question from one of the girls in seminary. One second. So you're saying there was a test. Don't touch him. So Yitzhak walks away. Avram walks away. Right? And nothing happened. It's not true. Yitzhak became blind. The Medrash says that the Malachim, when they saw the Avram doing this, they started crying and their tears went into Yitzhak's eyes. And therefore Yitzhak became blind. So the, the, the test happened and not everybody walked out the way they were before. So, right, Walsing, what are you talking about? It's a good question. I'm sure most of you would have asked that question. It's a very good question. It's a bomb question. It's like, it's not true what you said, Rabbi. It's true. Hashem said, don't, Hashem said, don't touch him. Don't put a blemish on him. But he was already blind. No, we're not going into that whole, we're not going to get into that whole. No, I'm saying that's, that's a medrash and, that, that, and they did shecht him. But they fixed him in, in Ganeiden. But here, he was blind. So they didn't fix his blindness. Now. This is what my chizik was to this boy, and this is what my chizik is to everyone here, and a chizik to myself. You got to turn the page. And not always in life, girls, do you get a chance to turn the page. But this is Pasha's Vayera. If you turn the page, Yaakov needed to get blessed by his father and make sure that Esav doesn't get that bracha because Klaishrel could not exist if Esav had that bracha and we did not. And the only way that Yaakov could fool Yitzchak, that he was Esav, was because Yitzchak was blind. So if Yitzchak would have never become blind at the Akedah, then Yaakov would have never been able to get the bracha, and Esav would have gotten the bracha. So yes, if you stop at the story here, right, it looks like Zutayr was like what? Yitzchak was willing to give up his life, he told his father to tie me down, and you make him blind, Hashem? That's the reward? You make him blind? And the answer is yes, he needed to be blind because otherwise Yaakov wouldn't have got the bracha. Now, not everyone agrees that it was from the angels. Some say that it was from Esau's wives, the smoke from the Avodah whatever it was. But before Yaakov came to steal the Bechaira, Yitzchak had to be blind. But if you don't know that part of the story, it's like, I don't like this, Tyra. I, I don't like this. He did the right thing, and it looks like he got punished. Now, this goes through the whole Tyra. Go through the whole term. Let's go to Pasha Vayeshev. Pasha Vayeshev, 
Yosef HaTzadik, and you girls don't know anything about Yosef HaTzadik, because if you would learn the Chidah on Yosef HaTzadik, Yosef HaTzadik was so holy. He was the Gilgal of Adam HaRishon. He was so perfect. He was the foundation of the Jewish nation. He is the, the flame that will destroy Esau. In the end, when Mashiach comes, Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef, goes to war with, with Esau. He's a fire. He was everything. And he was his father's Talmud. His father went with him privately, just the two of them. He gets sold to Mitzrayim, to Potiphar. I'm not going to get into it tonight, who he was, but he was really not a good guy. He could have been sold to any house in Mitzrayim, right? That's, but he was sold to this house. And the woman of the house is Asia Potiphar, who according to the Chidah, there was never and never will be a woman more beautiful than her. Never. And there was never and never will be a more beautiful person than Yosef. Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, who was a Gilgal of Yosef, the Gemara says, looks like the, looks a little bit like Hashem, whatever that means. The beauty of Hashem, this Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, had a little bit of that beauty, and he was a Gilgal of Yosef. There was no one ever called a boy, called the Yifas Toya, Yifas Marivai, Yifas Toya. The only boy in the whole Torah was Yosef Atzad. He was perfect. He was... The Gilgal of Adam, she was the Nachash, says the Chida. And the Nachash, who is the Satan, created the perfect, the perfect Satan, he created the perfect Taiva, the perfect woman, to take Yosef down. And it says in the Medrash that he was so beautiful, that when she, she couldn't eat, and she, she was losing weight, and her friend said, what is wrong with you? Why can't you eat? And she said, I have a slave that is so beautiful, I can't, I lost my appetite. I, I, I can't get him, and because I can't get him, I can't eat. And they said, it's ridiculous. He's a Jew. He, he, there's no such thing. He can't be so beautiful. He's an Ivory. He said, okay, come to my house for lunch. So the, the manager says, they, they made a circle, all the women made a circle, and she gave each one an esrit, that was the citrus they used to eat. She gave everyone a knife, because you have to peel the peel. And then she brought Yosef out in chains, and it says that they cut the tops of their fingers off, and the blood was running out of their fingers, and they didn't even realize it, because they were in such awe of his beauty. Okay? I don't know anyone else that they ever said that about. I don't care who you think, but no. You're not cutting the, your fingers off. That's the manager says, that's how he looked. But she was just as beautiful as he was. So he's put into this crazy, not normal test. Uh, he, all the reasons, all the reasons to pe- not to be with her, uh, my father's going to find out, um, my brothers are going to find out, all the reasons, right? Hashem, she blew away all the reasons. He came to me, she said, why don't you want to be with me? He, she said, he said, because you're not Jewish, you're a non-Jew, and you're married, you're a married woman, it's adultery. The problem was that she was a sorcerer, and she knew as much as he did, more, and you never give a reason why you don't want to do an Avera. Never tell someone, well, I'm showing a Gia because. Because then they, if they find a reason to break it, then you're in trouble. So you don't give someone a reason. Right? We spoke about this last week. When someone, when a guy asks you, why can't you marry a guy? Don't give reasons. You know what? You want to know? 
Go, go on to a website and ask a rabbi. Don't ask me. I'm not a rabbi. The whole, the whole thing that happened by the Eitz was because Chava talked to the Nachash. When the Nachash said, are you allowed to eat from the trees? She should have said, I don't know. My husband is the rabbi here. Ask him. And he, he would have, he wouldn't have started up with her. No, Hashem said this, you can do that, but you can do that. No, don't get into a discussion. Don't get into a discussion. So, so, Yosef HaTzadik, right, had all the reasons to go off the derech. His brothers threw him into a pit without clothing, and the pit was full of scorpions and snakes. That's pretty sick. 20 feet deep. Okay? And nothing happened. So they should have said, what a tzaddik. Even the snakes won't touch him. Instead of that, they sold him down to Mitzrayim. So his brother sold him down to Mitzrayim. He's bought by Potiphar. Now Potiphar's wife has got him in a corner. Potiphar's away on a party. There's no, the, the Chumash says there's no one in the house. Just the two of them. And he's telling her, I can't be with you because you're not Jewish and you're, and you're married. She says, number one, I'm not married. I'm not married? Because by, by a Jew, by, by non-Jews, how, how do they get married? They don't, they don't say hurry out Mekodeshishly. When they're physically together, that's the consummation of a marriage according to us by, by a non-Jew. She was never with her husband. Rashi says her husband was on the other side. He was never with a woman. And therefore, she was never married. So she said, to, 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 according to you, Yosef, I never consummated my marriage, and therefore, I'm a single woman, according to Jews. So, Aisha's Aisha is out the door. Now, you think Hashem's against you marrying a non-Jew? Let's look at the stars. They used to read stars. They knew how to read stars. Yosef knew how to read stars, and she really knew how to read stars. She said, let's look at the stars. So they looked at the stars, and the stars said that from the two of them are coming two very holy tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. So now Yosef's looking at the stars, and he's saying, She's not married, and according to the stars, which Hashem, right, puts in order, from the two of us, are coming Ephraim and Manasseh. So it must be, I'm allowed to be with her. What the mistake in the stars were? Yes, because Potiphar's wife adopted Osnas. And from Osnas, who married, who was Dina's daughter from Shechem, who married Yosef, came Ephraim and Manasseh. So she missed that she's the grandmother. She's not the mother. She's your grandmother, but, but the, grand, you come from your grandmother. So, when, even when you read something, you read the stars, right? It's a translation of what you read that, that means what you read. So anyway, so he was stuck. I, I love this shot because this is the basis of my book on gratitude. So now you're stuck. You gave two reasons and she blew those reasons out the door. Now what? So now she's looking at him and saying, now what? Let's go. Come on. According to what I just said, I'm not married and Hashem says we're having holy children. Let's do an Avera. It's not an Avera. So what did he say? Chotasi l'fnei Hashem. It is an Avera in front of Hashem. Why? You just told me it's not Avera. So he says, if you read the parasha, I'll read it to you. This is the basis of, of everything. So she's got him, right? Okay. He's in trouble. So she says, so now what? Now what's your excuse? What's your excuse? So this is what he says. He says, it can't be the right thing. Why? Nobody, nobody. By David Amalek, it says one of the two, maybe Yefei Mara, but nobody's called Yefei Toya or Yefei Mara because he was Rachel's, Rachel's son and Rachel was also called a Yefei Toya and a Yefei Mara. Okay? 
So he says to her, I am, your husband made me the leader of the house. And he lets me have everything. I'm a slave, but he lets me have anything. Except for you. He doesn't let me have you. But everything in the house he told me is mine, except for you. Because you're his wife, officially. How could I do such a terrible thing? What an Avera to Hashem. What's the Avera? You just told me it's not an Avera. The greatest Avera to God is not to have gratitude. It's at the end of the day, if I do this, I'm, I'm, even if you're married, you're not married, I'm hurting my master. It's his wife, officially to the world. I don't have a right. You, you don't belong to me. So, I hear what you're saying. Mitzvah, and then, son of Fran, and all this stuff. But the Avera is to Hashem. Because there's no way that Hashem wants me to hurt the man that said to me, I have everything. An ingrate, I don't care what you think you're doing, the biggest mitzvah in the world. An ingrate is the wrong thing. And I talk about this all the time. When, when you have to make a decision, and I, I just said this to someone last week, when you, when you want to know if something's right or wrong, you have to ask yourself, is this what God wants me to do? And if it's not what God wants you to do, you can't do it. So he said at the end, stars say yes, you're not married. My brother sold me. I don't need to be, you know, the Jews sold me down the river. I can be off the derech. No one's going to know about this. I'm in the tribe. They don't even know that I'm alive. They don't even care that I'm alive. They don't know anything about me, right? So I can do this Avera, but one second. Hashem, is this okay with you? What's wrong? I'm not married. I'm a Menashe. I know, but, but the master of the house who gave me everything told me, leave my wife alone. It can't be Hashem wants me to do this. Because it's the opposite of gratitude. And the most important thing that Hashem wants is our Satov. And the thing that Hashem hates the most in this world, bigger than any Avera, is a Kafri Taif. An ingrate. Person who is a Kafri Taif. And that is one of the reasons, it makes Hashem the book is, we're almost finished with it now, that Kibbut of the Aim is in the first five with a Nechi Hashem, because I am not Hashem, if you don't honor your parents, means you're an ingrate. Means you don't have gratitude that they brought you to the world and they gave you the potential of life, then there's no one Nechi Hashem. There's no me, there's no me, Chotasi Lelokim. And that's what Yosef was saying. I hear everything you're saying, but the man gave me everything. He told me, don't touch my wife. And now I'm going to do this, but I'm not married. We have Tzaddikim coming from us. I don't care. I don't care what's coming from us. I don't, I don't want to hear what you're saying. Because at the end of the day, the man that gave me everything is asking me not to do this. How can I do this? That's very adultery. Part of adultery is such a big Avera. Because you're taking some other man's wife. It's, it's, it's not only being Adam Lamakim, it's being Adam Lechavero. It's such a big Avera. It's one of the three cardinal sins. Because you're taking someone else's wife. We have a right to take someone else's wife. So we here at the end of the day, you're not married, but what's the greatest, an ingrate, and that's why Kibbut of Aim, the more we write about it, the more I see it. Hashem is so mocked. Why are you so mocked? You say, okay, my parents don't treat me right. 
They're dysfunctional. They're abusive. Why do I have to have kibbutz rabim? The answer is, they brought you into this world. I don't want to be in this world. It doesn't matter whether you want to be in this world or not. The potential of life, of being in this world, what you can do every single second, Mr. Pickett says, one second in this world is greater than the whole next world. They're giving you the most important thing in life, your parents. You like them, you don't like them. They didn't give you the keys to the car. They made you come home. You can't go to your friends. They're dysfunctional. But the bottom line is, they brought you into this world. Who asked them to bring you into it? doesn't matter. If you owe someone a million dollars and I pay that person, who asked you to pay by that person? Bottom line, did I pay him? Do you owe them? No. So then you owe me a thank you. But I didn't ask you to pay that. I know. But do you owe that guy a million dollars? You don't owe him anymore? doesn't matter what you ask me. You owe me a thank you. Kibbutz of the aim is so huge. But my parents, they're mean and they're this and they're that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in Hashem's eyes. The Chatasi Kim is that they brought you into this world. I know, but I didn't ask them to bring it. It's not a question when you asked them. They gave you life. And therefore, now that you have life, you have the potential to change the world, to make a bracha, to say moda'ani, to make someone smile. You cannot be disrespectful to people who give you life. Even if you're depressed and you're anxious and you don't even be in this world, it doesn't make a difference. That's your choice. But if they gave you life, you could choose life. And you could change the world. And therefore, you want to live long? You better have kibbutz of aim. Because if you're an ingrate, I don't need you in this world. Shem is very tough about that. So Yeshivat in the end, got up. I don't know how many people could have, could have passed that test with this woman in the triumph, away from everybody. Your brother sold you. She's giving you all kinds of stories that you're not doing such a bad thing, right? There's even, there's a medrash that says that she told Yosef that if you'll be with me, when he comes home, and he goes to sleep, I'll kill him. I'll get rid of him. Don't worry about it. I'll just be me and you, and I'll be the master, and I'll treat you just as good and better than him. I'll kill him. That's what she was master plan. He won't even bother you. We'll get rid of him, and you'll be the king. You'll be the you'll run the house. He got up, and he ran for his life. And he ran for his life. And he left his clothing, his jacket, with her. And that was a simon, by the way, that they knew that he didn't do anything. Because if he would have had her clothing, that means he attacked her. But if, if her, his clothing was in her hands, means he ran out. She showed her husband, look, I have his jacket. So the, the Khatumim, the priest, they said, oh, she has the jacket? So then he really tell, he really did tell the truth. He really ran out. But... They had to say face. They couldn't even try him. This was a minister. They couldn't say his wife attacked a slave. That would be very d- disgusting for the minister. So they had to say that he attacked her. Now, he runs out. If I'm a young guy learning this story, and I'm like, Hashem, what did you give him for that? Like, a gold crown and Ghanaian forever and a million dollars and, oh my gosh! He could have done the biggest of with the most beautiful woman, and he ran out. Show me the gear, I'm out of here. With my jacket, I'm out of here. Ran for his life. He broke his teva. Okay, so let's look at the next page. Oh, he's going to get a big reward. No, they put him in the dungeon. Zoo Torah with Zoo girls? 
He just went through the biggest nishayin in his life, and Hashem rewards him. Hashem, he should have escaped, left Mitzrayim. That's how I would have written. I would have written the story, and he ran away. And Hashem came, and his brothers, and they saved him, and they brought him back there to Israel, and, and, he, and he got back with his father, and he lived happily ever after. He passed his test, and he went back to Yaakov, and Yaakov was happy, and Yosef was happy, and he lived happily ever after. That's how I would have written the story, because that would give all you guys chizik. Like, beat the Sahara, Hashem will reward you. What kind of chizik is it? Beat the Sahara, and you're going to go to jail. What kind of chizik is that? I'm going to get up and you say, listen, you wanted to wear a short skirt, instead you didn't wear the short skirt, they're going to throw you out of school. Because you decided to beat the Eight Sahara, and you're throwing a guy, a boy wanted to talk to you, and you said, I don't talk to boys, and the school found out that you said you don't talk to boys, and they said, but you had to talk to the boys to tell me you don't talk to boys, so we're throwing you out. <laughs> they go over there, Shemai, what are you doing? Oh God, I don't see what you're doing. The girl is throwing the boys, they didn't throw out. She's okay, they're not throwing out. Me? What's going on here? It wouldn't be a good chizik if I told you that story. It's not a story. Chazam, right? I told you such a story. The girl came. She told the boy, I don't talk to you. And because the school threw her out, you'd be like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this stuff. I'll be the girl that talks to boys and they don't throw out. Right? What's going on over here? I said, I'm telling this to my, my, my boy this morning. I said, what's going on over here? That's his reward? You throw him in a dungeon? The brother should have come down at that point, saved him, and then went back to Eretz Yisrael. And lived happily ever after. Now, dungeon with the worst. Before he was a slave. Now he's a prisoner. In the lowest, worst dungeon in Mitzrayim. You can't imagine what that place, what, who was, who was in jail in Mitzrayim? The worst animals, the worst lowlifes in the world. This pure Jewish boy, Yosef Atzadeh, beats this girl, runs away from her, and his reward from Hashem is he throws him in a dungeon. I said to my, my Talmud, I said, that's where you are right now. And that's where a lot of you in this room are right now. You're fighting Yitzhahara, and you're in a dungeon. What are you doing, Hashem? The girl with the short skirt that was with the boys, she's married with six kids. I'm 39 years old, doing what I'm supposed to. I don't got no kids and no shidduch. You're in the dungeon. You're like, I don't understand, Hashem. I'm doing the right stuff, and I'm in the dungeon. And she did everything wrong. She's living the life. I said to this boy, I said, you're doing everything you're supposed to, and everything's falling apart. The guy that's stealing, and is a ganath, and is a lowlife, and does every avera, his business is growing, his business is, is so, in the dungeon. But you gotta turn the page. This is Pashas Vayeshev, and the end of Pashas Vayeshev, let's look at the end of Pashas Vayeshev. He tells the, he tells the, he tells the Sarah Mashkim, if you remember me, what I did for you, do me a favor. Help Paro and get me out of this jail. Because I was stolen, I was kidnapped from the land of the Jews. And I didn't do anything here in Mitzrayim either. That, you, that they put me in this pit. He says, do me a favor, when you get out, help me. Of course, he forgot him. Well, he said, the last Pusik, everyone, the last Pusik. I was telling this to, to this town, and I was like, it got worse. Girls, it got worse. So we had hope. We had this one guy, the Sarah Mashkin, getting out of jail. Do me a favor when you get out of jail. Tell somebody that I'm innocent. Get me out of here. The last 
Pasuk, the last word in Pasuk Vayeshev, is just to give everyone a chizik. I'm going through stuff, you guys are going through, we all go through stuff. The last Pasuk Vayeshev, you're like, okay, we're waiting, turn the page, we're waiting for, for Wallstein, what's the reward? Like he, he did such a big mitzvah that he ran away from her? Vayishkecheu. Last word. Vayishkecheu, and he forgot about him. Have a nice day. That's it. Forgot about him. Bussing says it. Saramashkin forgot about him. Everybody forgot about him. This is the reward. And now he goes ahead and he helps this guy who was depressed and he tells him his dream. And the guy, right? Because this guy had the midah of the opposite of Yazirat Sadiq. He was a, a kafi toiv. He didn't appreciate it. We forgot him. So that's it. If we ended this page, Right, if this is it, it's all I taught you girls. So Yosef Atzadik ran away, and he passed the test, and he ended up in jail, and he helped this poor, this, this guy that had a dream, and, uh, he was forgotten. Okay, good night everyone, have a good Shabbos, good Shabbos, girls. So you're gonna still do mitzvahs? You're still gonna fight the Yitzhahara? Like this is it, this is what I do, I kill myself, and then I'm the, and, and, and then Hashem patches me? You gotta turn the page. You gotta turn the page. Now if you turn the page, by he mikates Shnosayim. The end of two years. So everyone's like, okay, Ray Watson, we hear what you're saying tonight. So it's gonna happen. You're gonna turn the page and everything's gonna be good. No, it's not what happened. He stayed another two years in jail. For whatever reason, because he 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 put a muna in a person instead of saying I don't need you. Hashem will help me. He said, I need you to help me. It was a mistake. Okay? So he had to stay there another two years. He stayed there another two years. And look what happened and you turn the page of the Mikhaid. He translates the dream. He becomes second to the king. Saves the world. So, if you don't turn the pages, it's a terrible story. But if you turn the pages, ah, oh, so Hashem put him by Potifa. And he had to, he had to be, um, accused of doing something really wrong so he could end up in jail. Now, if he ends up in jail, he's going to meet these two guys. These two guys have a dream. Now, he's going to translate that dream. Then this guy's going to tell Paro who's going to have a dream. And he's going to translate that dream. And then he's going to know about seven years and seven good years. And those seven good years are going to save the seven bad years. And then everyone in the world is going to be saved because if they didn't save the seven good years of food, everybody would die. Ah, now the whole thing with Potiphar going into jail is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because had he not gone to jail, and he not translated the, the dreams, the world would have died. You have to turn the page. Now in life, everybody, you don't always get to turn the page. Because the page is very long. A life is very long. And there's Gilgul, and you're back more than once, and there's Tikkun, and there's a whole Pasha that Hashem has. Sometimes you get to turn the page, and sometimes you don't get to turn the page. But there is a page. You may not be around for the page, you may not understand the page, but there is a page. So now you have Abraham Avinu, Yitzhak gets blind, but he needed to get blind so that he could bench Yaakov. You have Yosef Atzadik, who did everything right, ends up in the worst place, but he ends up saving the world. And I feel very much, and I talk about this all the time, at the end of the book of Bereshis, the last Pasek in the book of Bereshis, is Vayamas Yosef ben Meyav Esher Shanim Beichantu Oyster Vayasim Barim Mitzrayim. The last person mentioned in Bereishis is the superstar Yosef Atzadik, who they buried in Mitzrayim. Now here we go again, girls. Here we go again. 
Yosefat Tzaddik saved the world. Why wasn't he buried in Eretz Yisrael? Yaakov Levina was buried in Eretz Yisrael. Yosefat Tzaddik was thrown into the Nile River and the Mitzrim used to bow down to the river where his Aaron was in. You can imagine how that bothered him. And the last Pasuk looks like the worst Pasuk in the Torah. By Yechantu, right? By Yomas Yosef, he died, okay. By Yechantu also, they mummified him. It doesn't say that about anybody. I don't need to know about that, right? I think by Yaakov also. And they put him in a, in a coffin in Mitzrayim. And then what do we say, everybody? Chazak, chazak, chazak. Yeah, be real strong. Great. He died, they mummified him, and they put him in a coffin. Yeah, big chizik. Thank you for the chizik. And that's how the whole Boratius ends. Gracious, creation, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov. That's it. The greatest Pasuk, the greatest Pasuk in the Torah maybe, is this Pasuk. Why? Because what's the whole reason, what was the whole reason of the Jewish nation? What's the whole Mitzrayim? What's everything? To get, we're coming to Shuas, right? To get the Torah. To get Matan Torah. The Medrash says on this Pasuk, the Medrash says that when they came to the to the to the ocean and behind them were the Mitzrim and the Mitzrim said we're going to kill you and the ocean was in front of them they're going to drown right they had a problem so Moshe Rabbeinu asked for a miracle that the Yam should split the Yam said I'm not splitting Moshe Rabbeinu said why aren't you splitting and the Yam said to Hashem because the Mitzrim served idols and the Jews served idols I'm not breaking my Teva the, the Teva of the ocean is not to split right it's a regular ocean I'm not breaking my teva for the Jews. They served up by the Zara and the Mitzvah served up by the Zara. What did the, what did the ocean see that it split? It saw the coffin of Yosef. Why did it split? Because it saw the coffin of Yosef. Because Yosef said, one second, you don't want to break your teva, but I broke my teva. Because the teva of a man with such a woman is to do the Avera. I went against my Teva and I ran away from her. Therefore, I can ask you to break your Teva. And the Medrash says that the only reason the ocean split and saved the Jews from being destroyed by the Mitzrim was because of the Aroina Shul Yosef. So if Yosef would have been buried in Israel, when they came to the Yam, they wouldn't have had the Aroina Shul Yosef. And the, and, the, and the ocean would have said, I'm not splitting. The whole reason that it split was because they had that Aroina Shul Yosef. How do we know this? Because what does it say when he ran out of her? When he ran out of her room. By Yonas Yosef Hachutza. Yosef ran out. Ma Rohayam. What did the Yam see? By Yonas. He saw the Vayonas of, of Yosef Atzadik. And therefore, by Yonas Hayam. The two Vayonases are connected to each other. Now, if you just look at the last postage, it looks like he died, he mummified him, he buried him. Ooh, terrible. The best postage, because if this wouldn't have happened, and they wouldn't have left him in the trium, where they were bowing down to him in, in, the, right, in the Nile, and it was terrible, but they wouldn't have left him in the triumph, they would have been buried where he is now in Shechem, they would have come to the Yam, and the Yam would have said, I'm not splitting. And they don't have Yosef's coffin, so he wouldn't have split, and we would have been stuck between a, a rock and a hard place, between the Yam. So the last Pasuk looks so terrible, in the end, so you have to turn the page. And we'll end with this, and then I'll tell you two, two short stories. Moshe Rabbeinu. Same story. Here's my big question, everybody. This is what I told this boy this morning. It didn't take this long, but this is what I told him this morning. So let's go to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, this little baby, 
He's going to be the leader of Klai Yisrael. He's going to save us. He's going to save Klai Yisrael with, through Hashem. The advisors say, there's a Jewish boy born, Paro, who's going to destroy you and your whole nation. Okay? Let's toss all the boys in the water. But Paro knows that he has a Jewish boy because his daughter, Batya, came and said, I found a little Jewish boy in the water. He knows he's got a Jewish boy in his house. So the only Jewish boy he's worried about is this one. Because this guy we didn't throw in the water. And his advisors are a little nervous because they saw in the stars that this kid is around somewhere and we need to kill him. They said, maybe this little baby that your daughter Batya brought home, he's the one. They came up with a master plan. They're going to take the king's crown. They're going to put the baby over here, right here. They're going to take the king's crown, gold crown, and put it on one side of the kid. And they're going to take hot, burning coals and put it on the other side. If he goes for the crown, he's the one that's going to destroy you. We're going to kill him. If he goes for the coals, he's stupid anyway because he touched hot stuff. We don't have to worry about him. So that's our test. Girls, what kind of test is that? Normally, of course the kid's not going to go for the coals. Why don't you take a basketball, a little bully, little bully, put the little bully here, kids love bullies, right? Or crayons, or whatever the toys that kids love, right? Today, a smartphone, but whatever. But right, you put, put a little ball down, put the crown down. If he goes for the crown, it doesn't make sense, because they like to play with the ball. Or put his bati down, put his bottle there, and see, if he goes for the crown, there's something very wrong here. But if he, but if he go, if he, if he, if he doesn't go for the crown and because there's, there's, for the, if he goes for the crown because there's coals there, that's not a proof that he wants the kingdom. He doesn't, that can put his head, in, his hand in there. So why don't they make a normal test? A, 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 a pacifier, a bottle of milk, a bas, a little bully, and the crown. He should be going for that if he doesn't go for that. Oh, I understand. So it didn't make sense what they were doing. They didn't even know why they had to do it. But, it had to happen that way because Moshe Rabbeinu could not be a good speaker. So he, he puts his hand in the, in the coals and then he puts his hand in his mouth and he really did some crazy damage because it wasn't his fingers, it was the coals he put in his mouth. So he burnt his tongue, Mamish burnt his tongue and he burnt his lips that he could not speak. He, he was on a Ralsifasayim which means his lips were burnt and a Kvadpeh, he, he couldn't talk. He stuttered and he lisped and he couldn't talk. Hashem, why'd you do that to him? Little baby, why don't you just put a basketball there? And, and he'll take the basketball, not the crown, and have a nice day. What'd you do that to him for? Moshe Rabbeinu asked that question. When Hashem came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, go take Klaistrol out of the mid, out of, out of Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't, you may, I can't talk. I can't do this. He asked Hashem. So he said to Hashem, okay, here's the deal. If you fix my mouth, Maybe I'll go. But you're not changing my mouth. You're not helping me. Fix my mouth. It's God you can do. You're telling me that you're going to take the whole Jewish nation out of the strongest nation in the world, right? So you're definitely a speech therapist, God. You can do that, right? So you went to Turo. You know how to do speech therapy, right? So you can fix my lisp and you can fix my... I didn't mean to plug Turo. Um, <laughs> you went to our... our and you, you went to our seminary and you took uh, our... Bachelor's, master's program, whatever. But, right, so, so, right, so he said to Hashem, like, why don't you just fix me? And then maybe I'll go. And Hashem said, I'm not fixing you. Pasha Shmos, I'm not fixing you. You're gonna stay like this. He said, I can't go. Hashem said, I did this to you. 
I will be in your dis- dysfunction, your disability, and I will help you. Don't worry about it. He still didn't want to go. So, what's going on over here? It doesn't look like it's fair. Why, why do you have to burn the mouth of the leader? And Hashem explained it to him. Hashem said that if you're a good speaker, if you're a good speaker, two things are going to happen. One, Paro is going to say, I didn't, I didn't let them out. I let them out because you had this guy that came to me. It was no miracle from God. You had this guy that came to me. He was an amazing speaker. And he talked me into it. He talked me into it. Hashem said, you're going to be such a bad speaker that no one in this world is ever going to say you talked anyone into anything. And the Jewish nation might say, you know what? You know why we left Mitzrayim? Not because of Hashem. Because Charlie had a good speaker. Charlie O'Reilly got up and he gave a good physics speech. Right? He said, follow me to the desert. Good speaker. Hashem said, no, the Jews are never going to say that Moshe Rabbeinu talked him into it. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't talk. So it looks like it's very unfair. When you turn the page... You see that he had to have that disability. Now there's a machlokas. If after he took them out of Mitzrayim, Hashem fixed it because he didn't need the disability anymore. So many rabbis say that when he gave, when he said the eight of the ten asheres of Debros, his mouth was fixed because the disability wasn't needed anymore. It was only needed to get them out of Mitzrayim. So I said to I, so that was my. I don't, we're not going to go. I don't have time to go into Dabra Melech, but that was my speech to him. So what I said to him was. All these stories, if, if you just, you're stuck in Vayeshev and you don't see Mikhech, you're right. If you're stuck in Vayera and you don't see Chayasara, you're right. If you're stuck in Shemos, but you don't see Vayera and Bo, the Ten Makas, and you don't see Beshalach, the splitting of the Yam, you're right. But there's always another page you have to turn. I said, I don't, I told him, I said, I don't know where the page is and when the page is going to turn. But there is a page and it will turn. And the test is, are you going to kick the sukkah? Like right now that things are not good, are you going to say like, okay, things are not good, you know? I asked him a question this morning. I said, I want to ask you a question. You're not making money right now. You're losing money. You're borrowing money. Your mom is going through Gehenna with money. Does it bother you that you don't have money because you can't pay your bills? Or does it bother you that you don't have money that you can't give tzedakah? Does it bother you? Hashem, it bothers me. Not about, I don't want a new house, I want to buy, no, no. It bothers me, because if I have money, I can get to talk and I can help all these people. If mamish bothers me, I say, does it bother you that you have to leave the sukkah because it's raining? Does it bother you that you're not making money that you can't get to talk? I say, if it really bothers you, that's a Jew. But if you're going to kick and say, oh, I don't have money, so I can't get to talk. When the guy rings the bell, like, sorry. Sorry, I'm not, I, I, can't, I can't come to the door. I don't have any money. And you feel good, like, you know, I don't have to bother with these people that come to the door anymore because I don't have any money. Then you're, then you're the guy who kicked this fucker. But if it really bothers you that you don't have money, that you can't give tzedakah, if it really bothers you that you're not healthy, so you can't daven, you have to be in bed, and you're going to miss chakras, and you overslept, and you can't go to minion, if it really bothers you for that, then the sign will be all, it'll, it'll, it'll get you out of the sign. The question is, what, what, like, from the Gemara, what does, what, why does it really bother you? But I'm telling you all in this room, and we all have our stuff, and some of us are in Vayera, or Chayesara, and some of us are in Vayeshev, Vayishkecheyu, I feel like, I, I feel like I was, I feel like I'm forgotten. I feel like everyone forgot me. I feel like Hashem, you forgot me. Hashem's like, wait, 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 turn the page! Me cakes! 
Forgot you? We put you in front of the king. You're second to the king. The same guy that forgot you? Remember, ooh, uh, there is a guy that interprets. Just one page. In my homish, it's one page. From Vayishkecheyu, turn the page. The whole story with, the next page is, is take him out of jail. I want to see who he is. And he, and he, and he, and he, and he interprets it. You, you gotta stick with it. You gotta believe in that. And yes, when you see people who are not doing the right thing, and, and they're having a good life, Baruch Hashem. Hashem, give everyone a good life. Don't judge them. Maybe, you know, you know all the rabbi, they're getting it here, they're not getting it there. It's not my business. That's my Tomah Devar. I didn't get to it tonight. Mr. Hashem, next, next week. Tomah Devar is, is, uh, next week, Wednesday night is, is Lag Bomber. Right. What? I'm an Etzel. Right. I don't know if we're open. I don't know if we're not. You gotta check it out, whatever it is. Maybe Jackie will speak next week for me. Maybe, maybe Charlie. I don't know who's speaking for me. I'm going to show for like Maimon or Shimbai Chay, whatever it is. But, but that's Tomah Devar, which I really want to teach the world. The Tomah Devar says, like, like, why does it bother you if a bad person is having a good life? Why do you have to say, ugh, she's getting it here, but up there she's gonna burn? Why does that make you feel any better? Because I'm not getting it here. So I'm gonna get it there. So if she's getting it here, she can't get it there. Because I'm not getting it here and there. She can't get it there and here. This is the whole time of the world. Like, you have to change your whole way of looking at people in life. You should be, she's getting in here, and I hope she's a Jew. She, she's, she's your finger. This is how he explains it. She's part of your, it's like, it's like, I hate you. Right? And, and you're hurting your finger. What are you hurting your finger? It's your finger. So every Jew is connected. So why would you want her to be in Gehenna in the next world? It's like, okay, she's getting in here, but in the next world she's not getting anything. She's getting in here, and I hope, Akash Baruch Hu, that you give her just as much there as you're giving her here. Because she's one of, she's part of me. She's one of, this is Tom's words. It's changing my life. It's just changing the way you look at the whole world. It's like, why am I happy for Russia is being punished? I don't want it to be punished. I'm not God. I'm not punished. I don't want it to be punished. I want him to do tshuva. I want, I want you to give him life. I want you to give him everything so that he can come to you. Why do you want someone to be punished? Why do you have to say like, yes, but you know what? She has, she's married and she has the shit up and everything. Yeah, but she has no kids. <laughs> she doesn't have kids. Will that make you happy? You know. She lives in, I bet you all those people, as you drive by the beautiful mansion, I bet you they're miserable. <laughs> well, look at that house. Yeah, but I bet you they're fighting. I bet you the kids aren't well. I bet you're not doing good school. What? You have a beautiful house? You should live in it. You should do tzedakah. You should daven for them. The house should always be Mole Hashem. What, what are you doing? It's because I don't have it. So if I'm not having a good life here, and I'm getting a good life there, she can have both. Because I'm not having both. What are you talking about? It's like telling your finger, I hate you! I'm gonna hurt you! What are you talking about? It's your part of your body. That's okay, we're not, we're not doing Tomah Devar tonight. But that's, that's, he, he totally turns your whole, your whole mind around. Anyway, I want to tell you three very fast things. I know it's very late. We have four minutes left. Listen to this. Crazy story. So the, 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 the this kid who was talking about Natil Sidaim and, and Nagel Vasa, whatever it was, and his, 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 his father, grandfather, great grandfather, great-grandmother. So they were telling me over the story about this woman. I forgot the name, but it's someone that's alive still to this day. So she, she was a little girl in, um, in Auschwitz. And when she grew up, she, they were very mocked in her house to, to wash Nagelwasser. When you wake up, you have to wash your hands. Machlokas, why? One, one, some rabbis say because you, if you touch a part of your body that's normally covered, you have to wash your hands. You can't learn, you can't daven. Right, so if I were to scratch my scalp, I have to go wash my hands because my hair covers my scalp. If I was to 
put my arm in my shirt and scratch my neck right now over here, I have to wash my hands. I can't, I can't teach you anymore until I wash my hands. Any part of your body that's normally covered. So my girls, since it's news, so from here on it's fine, but from here up, if you were to put your hand and scratch your, your arm over here, you have to wash your hands. Any part of your body. So, so the Chachamim say, when you sleep, your hands travel all. You scratch your head, you scratch your back, you're sleeping. You don't know where your hands went, right? So we have to figure that your hands probably touch a part of your body that's usually covered. So therefore, when you get up, you have to wash your hands. Other rabbis say, no, when you, when you go to sleep, your neshama leaves you. So the, the tumult takes over that, that place where it leaves. And therefore, it's a ruach ra, you have to wash your hands. What's the, what's the machlokes? Let's say you go to sleep and you wear gloves. So if the reason is because you touch parts of your body that you leave covered, if I'm wearing gloves, there's no problem. I don't have to wash my hands. And if the reason is because of tumma, so when you go to sleep during the day, your neshama doesn't leave you. So if the reason that I'm washing my negel vasit, then when I sleep during the day, I don't have to wash negel vasit. That's the machlokes, whatever it is. So we paskin, always, whenever you sleep, wash your hands. For both reasons, okay? But this, this girl was brought up in Europe and very into Negovasi that it was next to her bed and she had the whole, you know, okay. They put her in Auschwitz, this girl. And every morning, what you get in the morning for supper, for breakfast, you got a half a cup, a little cup like this, even maybe less, half a cup of it looked like mud, of some coffee, but it wasn't really coffee. Half a cup and a, a piece of stale bread. She took her half a cup and washed her hands for it, with it. She never had a cup to drink for breakfast. Everybody else, you needed it, right? She said, I have to wash Negevans, I have no water. The only water in, the, in Auschwitz was that half a cup. So she poured out her coffee on her hands to wash Negevans. And she came out of the war, and she has from children and from grandchildren and from great-grandchildren. She didn't go off to Derech, she wasn't angry at Hashem, just the opposite. She didn't have a drink in the morning because she poured the coffee on her hands. I'm sure it wasn't hot to wash Negevans. Now I just wanted to share that with you. Just where these people were and who they were. Okay. Story number two, Noah Weinberg. Noah Weinberg was, who's, who's the one who created Esha Torah. And um, he was sitting with some of his Talmudim and he was telling them that he opened up six yeshivas they all failed. He went bankrupt. Uh, at that time, Kirov wasn't in. Whatever it was, they all failed until he opened Eshet Torah with the seventh school. So they asked him. He was very brilliant. They said, Rabbi, why didn't you quit after the third one? Second one. Seven? He said something amazing. It gives me huge chizik. He said that everyone gives God stuff that God already has. You give tzedakah. Who gave you the money? Hashem gave you the money. So really, he's doing a chesed that he's giving you credit for it because it's his money. If I give you that money and then you give that money to her, you don't get the credit. I get the credit. But Hashem, no. It's your credit. It's your chesed. Right? You do chesed. You help somebody. Right? He gave you the life. You learned Torah. He gave you the Torah. He gave you the brains. So you're not giving him anything new. You're just giving him back what he gave you. So Noah Weinberg said, all of us shalom, let's say every land, we said, I made up my mind as a young person that I'm in this world to give God something he doesn't have. What's that? Jews that, that don't serve him. They don't have to die. That he, he did cure for Chokim. They, they didn't even know they were Jews. They didn't keep Shabbos. They didn't eat kosher. They didn't do it. They didn't know. He says, they, didn't, they weren't Hashem's. They weren't Hashem's. They didn't keep any of the mitzvahs. They were, totally didn't even know about Hashem. He said, I decided in my life that I will open up until I, I don't care if I have to open up 14 yeshivas. I'm going to open up a place where I'm going to give God something he doesn't have. 
the kids off the derech, the kids that are atheists, the kids that don't believe in him, I'm giving him, I'm, I'm, my work is, Hashem, I'm going to give you something you don't have. Because that's the greatest thing a person can do. And that's why I opened up the yeshivas until I found one, Eishat Torah, and that's what Eishat Torah does. Alright, last story. I have two more, but it's like, last story. Um, this is a cute story, and you're all going to get the story way before I finish. But I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So I, I, I gave a, I gave a Pirkei Avos share this week, and in, before any parak in Pirkei Avos, it says Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelik Olam Hava. Every Jew has a chelik in the next world. Now, if I have a chelik in Olam Hava, why do I have to do mitzvahs? I have it already. I'm born with it. Every Jew is born with a chelik in Olam Hava. So leave me alone, right? So let me explain to you with a dogma, my story, just short story. You're going to get it way before I say the end, but I'm going to say it anyway. So this poor man, we'll end with this, 1030. This poor man comes, and he's collecting money. He knocks on the door. The rich man opens the door. He gives him $20. He says, listen, are you hungry? The poor man says, yes. He says, happens to be you came at the perfect time. It's supper time. Come, enjoy supper with us. So the poor man sits down. It's very weird. The wife is sitting at the table. The husband's sitting at the table. The table's set. Dishes, bowls, cups, silverware, napkins. No food. Poor man sits down, no food. He's looking, he's waiting, he's like, uh, no, uh, no, what's going on? Richmond says, oh, oh, yeah, let's start, let's start the meal. He's looking like, what? There's a little bell. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Kitchen door opens, waiters come out. Bread, soda, salads, appetizer, right? They bring all the stuff from the kitchen. Yeah, they, they eat the appetizer, he's very happy, he eats the bread, whatever it is. Waiters come out, they clean off the table. Takes the bell, ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling, everyone brings out the soup. Soup's all over the table, he eats, everyone eats, fine, cleans the soup, ding-a-ling-a-ling, main dish. Takes the main dish, ding-a-ling-a-ling, the guy's full to his head. Ding-a-ling-a-ling, brings out the dessert, amazing. Turns to the rich man, what a story, turns to the rich man, he says, "Um, where'd you get that bell? The rich man says, in the hardware store, down the block. He's got plenty of these bells. He says, really? Plenty? He says, yeah. Okay. How much, how much are they? He says, I don't know. Mine was $20. He goes, oh, you gave me 20 Okay. Leaves the house, runs to the hardware store. Says, you know the guy down the block? You sold him a bell? He goes, yeah, I got plenty of those bells. He goes, how much are $20? Can I get one of those bells? He says, sure, put it in a paper bag. Puts it in a paper bag. It's such a Dugan Maga story. You already know what's going to happen. He comes home, tells his wife, listen, tonight for supper, I don't want you to prepare anything. I don't want you to buy anything. I don't want you to appear anything. I got supper. You set the table, but I don't. I don't want you to just set the table. I want. I want a little dish for the appetizer. I want a bowl for the soup. I want a big plate for the main dish. Whatever it is, she says. Where'd you get all this money from? I got it covered. Just let me handle it. Fine. So she sets the table. All the dishes. They never. They never had more than pita with trina, right? She's like, you must have really hit it big today. You must have collected a lot of money, right? So. He comes home from, from Myriv. She's like wondering. She looks, she looks in the kitchen. She looks in the refrigerator. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing there, right? She sits down. He, he sits down. And she says, so new. What's with, with dinner? He goes, I got it covered. He goes, what do you got it covered? He says, watch this. Takes the bell out of the bag. Sits there. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. She's like, what are you doing? He says, I was by a rich guy yesterday. Let me tell you. You don't know what this bell does. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Sitting there for 10 minutes. No. She goes, what are you doing? He says, I don't understand. It's a magic bell. Like, I was by this rich man. He rang the bell, and 
the first course came. Then he ran the bell. The second course, I thought, it's, I'm going back and getting my $20 back. This guy sold me a bell that doesn't work. Okay, goes back to the store. Says, what's going on? You're a goddess. You're a goddess. I want my money back. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I was by this rich guy, and he had a magic bell, and every time he rang the bell, waiters came out with food, whatever it is. He says, and I tried the same thing in my house, and, and nothing came out. He says, were there any, was there any food in the kitchen? He says, no. He says, you idiot. It's not the bell. The bell just tells the people in the kitchen, it's time to bring the food out. You gotta have food in the kitchen. Says the dogma Magid. Yeah, you have a chalik in the next world. You get this big box. This big room. But if you don't put nothing in the room, when you get there, there is nothing there. The kitchen's empty. You ring the bell. I have a chalik on Haba. Hashem, I have a chalik on Haba. You ring the bell like, but there's nothing there. You didn't make any deposits in the bank. So, means you have a place in the next world to send your FedExes with all your mitzvahs. But ringing the bell is not enough. you got to do the deed. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.